Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons. This is an absolute podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy uh, Syracuse football can't hurt you anymore week. <laughs> happy <laughs> uh, happy uh, the basketball team actually looks pretty good week. Uh, let's see. What else? It's December now. Very, just, winter meetings are starting for, 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 for those Mets fanatics. Oh, yeah. just I mean, that's... That's just uh, actually exciting this year, considering we're apparently going to spend, spend, spend. So I'm sure we'll have more for that, more of that in the uh, coming weeks. But yeah, interesting, interesting one for Syracuse Athletics. Um, feels very, uh, it's a feeling very like uh, late 2000s, early 2010s around here. Yeah, that's uh, more like 2000s. <laughs> yeah, late 2000s, but like not when it was fun, like before it got fun. A little bit, although basketball, I think, is still very much. Uh, they're interesting in yeah. terms of the fun quotient. It's been fun the last couple of games. Yeah, even without Buddy Beheim, things have still been interesting. Uh, we'll get to mm-hmm. basketball in the second half. Um, also, shout out to the women's team. Moved up two spots, number 20 in the uh, AP poll after beating uh, Penn State by double digits. Yeah, um, nice grind-out win. Uh, they were behind, I think, for like a good chunk of the game and uh, didn't seem to have their best stuff and, and out a win, which is uh, a good sign for them. Because, like, you know, as we know with the men's team and – just sports in general. If you can like play a mediocre game and get a, a you know double digit win over a power five team, pretty good. Oh, totally agree. The women's team's been doing this weird thing in recent years where like you know they'll they'll pull off like a top ten upset in the next game. They'll um, you know they'll lose by ten to like an unranked like Cal team or something. So it's been uh, it's been nice so far for them to get out to an unbeaten uh, start. Uh, I, I think you're seeing, uh, you know, Tiana Magakahia kind of shake some of the rust off. Um, and then obviously I think Emily Angsler has really like come on pretty well the last couple of games. So it, it really, if the two of them and, uh, and Kara Lewis are on, I really like what that team can do from a scoring perspective. It's uh, I think it's probably the most deep team and uh, you know, we're not the women's basketball experts around here, but just like on the outside looking in, it seems like the most deep team they've had in a while. That's what happens when you keep bringing in top 10 classes. Yep. Take note, men's basketball team. It's also, yeah, well, yes, uh, do that. And also it's like kind of a nice, to segue into football, it's kind of a nice like example of uh, keeping like the faith on it with a coach who definitely seemed like he had maybe run his course uh, earlier, like a while ago now. But, uh, you know, when I was at SU, I think that's right when he was starting to turn the corner. But for a while there, it was like kind of touch and go and, you know, things got to where the point where like the expectations were getting higher, um, but uh, definitely weren't, um, you know, to the point where like, oh, yeah, then we ended up in a national championship a couple of years later. Um, so there was definitely a spot where uh, there was definitely a spot there where it seemed like people, some people were getting like kind of a, you know, in as much as they do with Syracuse women's basketball, we're getting a bit restless in terms of like the lack of development. And then you know, boom, we hit some, we finally get the, the NCAA tournament wins that we hadn't been having. And we get to a national championship kind of out of nowhere. And, and now the recruiting classes have been consistently like incredible. So, um, you know, I don't know that we're going to like be knocking off UConn winning national championships anytime soon, but I think we're, we're finally starting to get to the point where like, hopefully we can make like deep tournament runs a, a pretty consistent thing. And then, then who knows what happens then, then you start to really, uh, build towards something where like, maybe you can develop into one of those like next tier of programs that could actually stun someone. Yeah, I definitely agree there. And I, so Syracuse I mean, football. <laughs> so Syracuse football. Um, yeah, Syracuse lost 45-21 to 21 on Saturday. Uh, for those that tuned into the uh, NBC four-hour variety hour, 
I always forget how. Again. I always forget how. Uh, I, you know, I watch Notre Dame games a fair amount, but I don't usually like have like the whole thing on. And I did with this game and the Clemson game this year. And I always forget how it's basically like an infomercial for Notre Dame. It's crazy. Like it's appreciating. It made, it, yeah. it made last year's Liberty. It made last year's Liberty broadcast seem like normal. And like we have like small versions of that sometimes. Like when you have a, a high, like when like Sean McDonough calls a Syracuse basketball game, like you kind of get it, especially if like the team's good. And we'll get like the the fawning over Newhouse and everything else a bit. Um, or if like you know Mellow's at the game or something, but that I mean, and that's this that's every week on NBC with Notre Dame. It's crazy, and I get it. Like I get it's there. Like it's you know Notre Dame's network, and it's kind of an unprecedented thing. And 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 like they're the only team with that treatment, so you you understand it. But like you know, doing like the spotlights on like stuff that's happening around the school, it's like it's like you're watching a really well produced like <laughs> local local uh, like <laughs> local news or or a. Uh, uh, Public, access, public TV, yeah. public access TV with the Notre Dame game on is like craziness. Uh, how how over the top it is. Um, and I also, you know, I grew up a Notre Dame fan, so it clearly didn't uh, it clearly didn't face me at the time. <laughs> I'm not sure if it wasn't like less ridiculous back in the when I was in like middle school and high school and I was watching every Notre Dame game on NBC, but like um, I don't remember it being that ridiculous. Although I was very much like drinking the Kool Aid, so it might have uh, that might have been part of it. There. Um. So the game, Dan, I, I do feel like there were some positives for Syracuse. Uh, Rex Culpepper didn't look great, um, did make plenty of mistakes. Uh, at the same time, I did feel like this was one of his better throwing games, uh, which, good for him. I thought that for Syracuse on the ground, uh, even though like some of Coop, a bunch of Cooper Lutz's yards were, were amassed in garbage time, the fact that they were able to put up um, 229 yards on the ground was awesome. Uh, Sean Tucker really looked like a stud all day, and I really think we should consider giving him 44 um, starting next year. Uh, Taj Harris, another big day from a reception standpoint, even if nothing else, eight catches, 69 yards. Um, a nice day for him overall, but nobody else really like factored in too much in the receiving game. Uh, Sean Tucker really being like the, the closest uh, with two catches for 46. Uh, defensively, Garrett Williams, another great day for him. Uh, three pass breakups. Overall, and then like you know, co-led the team in tackles along with uh, Lee Pogba. I thought really this defense, like despite the fact they let up forty-five points, like it's the most deceptive forty-five points ever, um, and it's also like incredibly frustrating. And we'll get to this part. Um, incredibly frustrating to see that second quarter uh, meltdown where you know SU goes up seven-three. Things are suddenly looking like a little interesting, um, and then you know we had the roughing the passer call. Uh, that sort of shifted things in Notre Dame's favor. And then after that, um, a couple key issues um, in terms of not playing prevent coverage, um, just turning the ball over, like just looking looking very much like the one in nine team they entered the game as, um, kind of derailed things in the second quarter. And SU was just never able to recover, even though I think they did like kind of come, stay within striking distance through the third quarter. It, it was, uh, you know, we talked about it last week. It was, like, one of those, like, really hard-played, good-effort games. Um, one of the things that, like, makes me, uh, makes me like, feel at least, like, okay about how things are going. Um, obviously, you'd much rather not lose by 20-plus points. But um, Notre Dame easily could have, like, with how they played this year, they could have, you know, wrecked us. And I, I, you know, I think Notre Dame came out, uh, was was kind of hitting the mouth a little bit early on. And, and obviously, they have a lot more talent. And that was a... Uh, you know, a huge part of it. Uh, but it was, it was like the kind of effort that we saw against Clemson and against NC state last week. And like, clearly we were, 
uh, a major underdog and to, to be in the game as long as we were. And I'd say like we were in the game in the thir- into the third quarter if we hadn't had the like the series where we're like we took we had you know the turnovers and then t- give it right back. Like who knows how you know we could have probably got within ten and and maybe closed the gap a bit and had it you know uh, actually be a game into the fourth quarter. But in any event, like I thought the defense played um, about as well as you'd hope. Obviously Notre Dame has some really really good athletes um, to who made plays and and that's to be expected. But um, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's not like, I don't want to say it's like closing the season on a high note because like, it's hard to, to ultimately really feel the good about, uh, you know, a, a game as lopsided as, as the store would indicate. But, um, I think it's, it reinforced like Sean Tucker is the real deal. Uh, the 44 thing is interesting. Um, I'm sure there'll be a legit debate about that. Um, the Tosh Harris really good again. Um, Anthony Quigley looked good. Like the, the things that we we've seen, um, like the positives in this team were reinforced, I think, against a really good Notre Dame defense. And it's just like, you wonder like what, what that could have looked like if like the offensive line had was, was 15% better and Tommy DeVito was healthy and played like a decent game. Like that could have been a really tight game. I think if we had like everything working for us, instead we had, you know, the shell crew of all freshman defense defenders and they, they played their, the, you know, they played incredibly hard and, and pretty well overall. Um, but it's just like kind of a what if with uh, how the season could have gone if, if things had been different. And and hopefully, and we've been saying this for a while after a number of different seasons where we've had, you know, all the injuries and everything, um, which is a whole other conversation about like this happens all the time. Um, hopefully what we can take away from the season is that like a lot of guys who probably wouldn't have played in most circumstances played a lot and played pretty well. And, you know, we saw that payoff in 2018 um, with with uh, an infusion of talent uh, and this class, you know, hopefully it'll be good kind of like that class was. And then other guys who had been thrust into things early being more experienced than they probably would have been in other situations. So knock on wood, hopefully this, you know, this season ends up paying off down the road. It's hard to see it directly, but um, I do think like there could be benefits uh, to just like the added depth that we'll hopefully have going forward because we thrust so many guys into so many big situations, like playing major minutes into Clemson and Notre Dame, two teams that'll probably be in the playoff in a couple, a couple weeks now. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I, I, I didn't expect to win the game. I didn't expect to really compete all that well. And I actually felt that we acquitted ourselves fairly well, all things considered. Like I did think Notre Dame was doing what they were supposed to, like what a, a team ranked number two in the nation should be doing in the beginning. And we were, we were disrupting their game plan. And, and I think, you know, unfortunately just that, that, that second, the last few minutes of that second quarter, um, just to kind of swing that just completely buried Syracuse. And, and really it's just, it, it's a comedy of errors, a, a series of mistakes that are largely self-induced by the orange uh, that kind of derailed them. And I, I do feel that like you were kind of hinting at that, we we could see a lot of these guys again. I, I feel like that that having such a young team, especially on the defensive end, is going to pay t- dividends. I felt like this was a crew who they had, you know, they took their lumps here and there. Um, but despite losing, you know, their two best players, arguably um, in you know Trill Williams and Andre Cisco, uh, the, the the fact that you know they were constantly behind the eight ball in terms of time possession, the fact that they were thrust back on the field so often, didn't matter how many turnovers they forced. Um, Jihad Carter with another great game. I really think he. I mean. I felt like things looked rough for him maybe in the first like half two week full game that he played this season. And then since then, I mean, he's been lights out and he's been one of the team's best playmakers. I, to I have mean, like two guys like him and Williams have the years they had uh, so early and like, incredible. It's, it's incredible. It's, it's, it's an incredible testament to um, what the coaching staff with what Tony White's defensive staff have done this year. And like, 
in a lot, I think a lot of teams thus in that situation would have been hemorrhaging points and our defense at least kept us in it a lot. And like a lot of the issues were, were coming from the offense, whether it's, you know, deep bad field position or just impossible situations in time of possession. So yeah, it's, it's uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do with like a full year with hopefully like actual practice time. Oh, same. And, and, and you look at like the, you know, hidden gems there between like Tucker who like on the offensive end, hidden gem, I mean, Carter was a guy who was kind of like, you know, left out to dry after like it didn't work out uh, qualifying at Virginia Tech the first time around for him. Um, you know, guys like Marlo Wax, who we originally recruited as a running back and then turned into probably one of our better linebackers. The fact that we've been able to, you know, mine talent in, in Canada so well. Tafon Thompson had a really good season. I mean, again, Garrett Williams, like easily one of like the, you know, five to ten best probably defenders in the entire conference this uh, season. And, and and did that as a redshirt freshman with, with, you know, no real experience heading into this season. Like Mikel Jones was, was one of the more like, you know, better playmaking linebackers, even if he, you know, there, there's still some, some room for him to grow, but for, from a like game impact and what he was doing with, you know, forced fumbles and fumble recoveries and interceptions, like getting into passing lanes, like th- this is stuff you can build on. And, and I think, you know, retaining Tony white uh, running this defense with that group and, and a year under their belts and actual practice time um, and maybe a couple like key transfers here and there. Um, you know, the, the, this looks like a group that, you know, I, I want to get ahead of myself, but I, I think that this is a group that can really do something next year. And really, you know, it, it sets up, and I said this after the game in the comment section, like this sets up, I, I think a really good litmus test for Dino next year. It's it's if all these young guys getting, you know, snaps and everything else, if, if, if he's building something, then that pays dividends next year. And if he isn't, it doesn't like, and, and I think that there, there's a pretty clear line of demarcation. Like, it, it, you know, it, it's not to say bold or bust, but, but it really is at this point, because yeah, I don't think you can survive, you know, going from 10 wins to, to, to five wins to one win. And you can't really follow that up with another losing season and, and survive anywhere, not just Syracuse. And I do think that, you know, it's, while, while this was miserable to watch in many cases, and I'm sure it wasn't fun to go through for the players, for the staff, um, I'm sure Dino sees that, you know, he, he is building some momentum there. There is momentum on the recruiting front. Um, you see a lot of young players that have done really well this year. Um, it, so I, I really do believe that, like, because of how they played, especially in the, in the final stretch of the season, like, you could see a, a, a big rebound for this team um, if, if, if Dino's really building something. And I do think he is provided he makes some key tweaks this offseason. It's it's more than fair. I mean, I think, obviously, if there's another situation where the injuries are what they were this year, and, like, good Lord, if that's the case, then we really need to have, like, long conversations about what this athletic department is doing. Um, but, like, barring that, if we have, like, a normal injury year, we're like, there are going to be some, it's football, um, but it's not, like, going to completely shut down the team then yeah, I think everything's lined up for Babers to like really have kind of a show me year because like you said, you can't like the, the, the expectations of like, you have to go to a bowl at least like half the time aren't ridiculous by any means. Like, I think we know, like it seemed like under Marone, we were going to get to the point where like, at least we were going to be in solid contention every single year. If, if not, um, you know, better than that sometimes. Um, it's not crazy to say like, yeah, you, you can't, you can't miss four bowls in five years. I think that's more than fair. So, um, and then after like this season turning into what it was, uh, but like you said, the, we'll have hopefully a, a pretty full roster back. Um, I imagine, you know, Tommy will be back, hopefully completely healthy. 
um, some good playmakers. Uh, we still we need some improvement on the offensive line, and I think if there's one spot that we can point to, like I th- I think you have to have a long discussion about Kavanaugh. Um, we were pretty out on him after last year, and then we were kind of sold the oh they play better over the course of the season thing uh, and the recruiting part, and like I was fine with that because like you know I have no I I can't do anything about it. Um, so this year just wasn't really any better. Uh, I, I, as far as like I could tell by the eye test, uh, and I, I, you know, I've reached all Steve stuff. It doesn't sound like it was uh, remarkably better than last year. Obviously there were some injury concerns, but they were kind of static the whole time. Like it wasn't like, you know, everyone got hurt one week and then it fell apart. It was bad pretty much from the start. And like the injuries didn't really get better and the guys that played didn't really improve too much. So I think that's a long conversation to have. I kind of, I, I mean, at this point I really hope that we, uh, find a solution there because it's really not working. But aside from that, like I'm kind of open to, and also I'd have a discussion about Gilbert. I don't, it's, I kind of think, you know, we'll keep him, but um, I would really hope he doesn't. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I would, I just think like, I, I appreciated why we hired him. Um, it seemed like kind of like a replacement for Sean Lewis, who uh, if you guys are unaware, 10 States averaging like just under 50 points a game. <laughs> Yeah, they're averaging. I think they're second in the country in storing behind Buffalo and just a little bit ahead of Alabama. I don't know if that was before last weekend or after last weekend, but I checked it pretty recently. It was, it was somewhere in there. They were averaging like forty nine and a half points. It's crazy. Um, so I, I thought Gilbert was kind of like the hire to try to recreate like the Sean Lewis thing. Like it's a trusted lieutenant. He knows the 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 offense. I think at this point, like this was trash. You kind of you kind of need to just find some new, some new blood and like find a way to merge like Dino's philosophies with someone who can bring a fresh perspective because clearly like what we've been doing is not working. The offense was horrendous Um, injuries and all like I'm looking at the numbers uh, really, really bad, except for Sean Tucker and Tosh Harris. And like like the worst worst numbers that that any Babers offense has ever put up. Yeah. Probably by a a mile. Yeah. Like, I mean, we were, we threw for 900 fewer yards this year than last year and last right. year sucked. Yes, it, it was, <laughs> it was really, really bad. Uh, and it was bad with, with Tommy in. it was bad with Rhett's in. Uh, Morgan had like one interesting game. Um, but, but like, it was it still wasn't that good. Yeah. Like it was like, it was like, yeah. he threw for like 180 yards. <laughs> Morgan was, like, was good oh, for good. like a freshman who no one thought would be playing this year. No, hundred percent. Like, like there was just yeah. like no film on him and you saw what happened in the Louisville game. Like, yes. like, like, with, with some film on him, he got absolutely teed off on. It's not to, like, hate By on him. By a bad Louisville defense and a coach who's, like, kind of, sort Definitely of. Definitely on the way out. Well, I mean, if they Somewhere. have another losing season, he's going to get fired next year after what happened this year. Um, because uh, the stuff is not not happy at Louisville right now. <laughs> um, which which is it, It's weird because, like, it's it's strange because, like, you can't not expect someone to, to interview for a job. It's just, like. This, like this, a, is a, this is a BC uh, Jagodzinski situation. It's very similar. It's It seems like everyone's kind of handled it weirdly. Like Vincent Tyra, the AD there, like really threw uh, Satterfield under the bus in a statement. They're like, we've reached like a place uh, where we can both like feel t-. like it, it really seemed like a, a, you know, they're nine months from a divorce. Um, and then Satterfield like threw the players under the bus for some reason with his ridiculous statement today about like, this is my career. It's like, yeah, so it's not the players' careers. That's why they're playing college football. They all want to go to the NFL. This is just some real cool guy shit going just on. Say, just say, hey, there was a, you know, this school really wanted to interview me. I gave them some time to see if it was, like, the right thing for my family, and I ultimately decided no. Like, no one's going to mad at you for that, because we all know these coaches interview all the time. It's just, like, everyone just seemed to handle it in a very bizarre situ- bizarre way. 
And it's it's also kind of weird. I know South Carolina is not like a great, great job. Um, it's kind of weird. It's, for still, it's still an SEC job. Yeah, and they're going to be able to pay more than Louisville. Right. They have more resources. It's weird for Louisville to think like they're better than that. Like that, well, I, mean, that I can't interview. Like, like I like the Louisville. Like I, I'm friendly with Louisville fans, and I think that they are they're fun. But I also think that the last decade and a half of Louisville athletics has created such a stunted sense of self over there that like it's they're been, just. I mean, because you know, we're guilty of it attributing it to them too. We're, yeah, we're, we're, we're like when people talk about like the powers in the conference, like Louisville is just like up there, like why like like from a long-term perspective like louisville hasn't really shown itself able to be a a a florida state at their peak a miami at their peak a clemson at their peak even a virginia tech at their peak um and and i think that we just kind of throw them in over there we're just like yeah well they'll figure it out like well i mean maybe not i think part of it's that they always seem to recover from stuff really quickly like um uh, who was the awful coach that we beat all the time? Uh, Cradthorpe. Like, they were in, like, as bad a place as, like, we were, arguably, by the end of Cradthorpe and, like, G-Rob, honestly. Um, and G-Rob beat him multiple times. Um, and then they, they hire Charlie Strong. They, they, well, they, they, they hire Charlie Strong. They get, you know, really good, aside from the fact that we beat the hell out of them that year. Um, then he leaves. Uh, they hire Petrino. And Petrino turned things, you know, gets things back on track really quickly. And then, like, Petrino bottoms out, like, in historic fashion. And then year one under Satterfield, they're good, like, whatever we'll probably be at the bottom of the conference. So it's just, like, it just seems like every time they, like, sign to bottom out and you, you expect, like, most teams, like, the Florida State thing right now is crazy. Florida State's been horrible for so long now. And Louisville seems to kind of avoid that somehow. Um, so I wonder if that kind of, like, they're just not used to having this like historically bad stretch. Um, everything just seems to like crater quickly and then start to rise quickly. Um, they're just pit with a higher ceiling. Maybe pit doesn't <laughs> bottom out the way they do. No, that, that's, a, that's fair. Yeah, pit just got, well. Pit has like that. Like oh, they went four and eight in the next year. Like oh, okay, they went back to six and seven. It's fine. Yep, pit's just somewhere in the in the four and eight to eight and four range. Maybe you you give them some generational talents like Aaron Donald. Maybe they'll win nine games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they mentioned um, like that NC State. Like yeah, NC State might be the better comparison. Yeah, I think that's fair. And they NC also kind of like, better at basketball. They're more fun. Fair. State fans uh, then, have a have a whole different situation going on. Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure if any listen to this, they'll remind us that we like clown them the whole time, and then like they ended up being pretty good this year. That's fine. Yeah, you, you still, you still almost lost to us. Yeah, probably should have. If uh, you know certain things that we won't speak of happened, <laughs> gestures Didn't in happen. a general direction. Oh God. Um. Yeah. Before halftime here, I do want to get to the halftime shortly. Um. I do think that. From a staff perspective, it, it, I think I think you and I are probably on the same page. If you if you remove Kavanaugh and you remove Gilbert, I think you hire someone tangentially related, even if not completely. Like maybe it's somebody at Tulsa, maybe it's somebody like somewhere else at least understands the principles of Dino's offense. You plug them in as, as the new OC. I think maybe you move Mike Lynch to the offensive line, uh, where I feel like he's had some success. And that way there's some staff continuity. And then you bring in an actual running backs coach um, who can get the most out of a guy who's as talented as Sean Tucker is and, and somebody who can recruit well too. And I think between those two things, I, I think that, that that gives you a markedly better 
staff next year, assuming you can still implement changes like better than you did this offseason. Yeah, I could see it going either way. I mean, I also wouldn't mind just bringing in a wholesale new offensive line coach. Um, but it depends on who's out there. Like, and it depends like the coaching convention, which is like where most of these changes happen. Will I assume not be in person this year? I, I say that um, putting a lot of faith into college football coaches, um, which is maybe unfounded. Uh, where's, but I assume uh, that'll be where's uh, where, where's Mackie at now? Is he still at Kent State? Oh, that's a good question. Where's Mackie McPherson? I know he was at Louisiana Tech for a while and then was at Kent State. He is hmm. – Might still be at Kent State. Yeah, I mean, that, that could be a pull. Um, Although I guess, to... I guess I just don't know if – I don't know if, if Dino would go in and raid his former protege's staff. I would say, like, it, you're giving Mackey the chance to come home. Like, I, I don't think anyone would hold, hold it against him. And and and, and, I think consider, really- and considering Mackey's Twitter profile is him with the Texas Bowl trophy, I, I feel like he he'd very much welcome the opportunity. So before we get to halftime, did want to give a shout out to our sponsor, uh, Homefield Apparel. I'm sure you're familiar with Homefield at this point. And uh, yeah, leading up to the um, holiday season, well, we're in the holiday season, but leading up to the throes of the holiday season, uh, before you're you know getting those last minute gifts. Be sure to check out Homefield, get some Syracuse gear. Uh, Dan and I have plenty of it. Most of the staff does as well. Uh, you can use the code NOONS10 for 10% off uh, your order. Uh, they're all great over there. I know Andy um, and Steve recently uh, interviewed Connor over there. Um, got to talk to him about you know the Homefield story, the whole deal. Like Even though they're Indiana fans, they're still great. Uh, would highly, highly recommend um, getting some Homefield stuff, especially with a discount where you can get uh, some of the most comfortable um, cool looking vintage shirts uh, I've ever had. Um, and Dan, I know you agree there. Yeah, I just put in a Black Friday order for uh, at long last um, some Hawaii stuff, some uh, Tulane stuff, obviously, and uh, a Navy shirt uh, for what will probably be Army Navy game every year. Um, so, yeah, just uh, very excited for those to come in. Um, I'm on a nice roll for the basketball team. We're in the uh, Crest Auto shirt three and oh all in all in that shirt so that will be uh continuing on uh until the you know any losses hopefully not tomorrow night um yeah so it's it's uh i mean their stuff's great like it's it's it all looks good the, the designs are awesome um they roll out new stuff all the time and i get extremely jealous of other schools that uh whenever they get new stuff uh so hopefully some more syracuse stuff will be in the pipeline in the future but um, yeah, if you just want some some just really high quality clothing, uh, it is December. It is Christmas season. There is no excuse, and also great gifts. Yeah, I totally agree. Honestly, uh, if you need if you need a lucky shirt or a comfortable shirt or both, uh, perfect opportunity. And like Dan said, there's also other schools available too. If you happen to have other allegiances, uh, if you want to support the uh, six and five uh, bowl bound two lane green wave, you, uh, you you have options there. But Dan, let's talk some beer. Uh, what have you been drinking lately? Um, I did not do much drinking this weekend. I was mostly just uh, hanging with the stuff I, I have here, just the same uh, five borough stuff and some other some other cans that I've been getting. But uh, nothing too exciting this weekend, unfortunately. All good. Uh, I will try to to, to make up for it. <laughs> uh, Highland Park had a new West Coast, well, not new West Coast IPA, but had cans of a West Coast IPA of theirs. It's really good. Bonkers. Uh, it's all Simcoe. Uh, super good there. Had a, also from Highland Park, surrounded by sleep, is a uh, pastry stout with a vanilla 
and pistachios was super good. Uh, that one's barrel aged. Had um, from Dry River uh, Brewing in LA. It's a second stone. Was a uh, golden sour with uh, apricots and uh, peaches. Uh, that one was super good. Uh, it wasn't too tart uh, by any means. Then I had from Pizza Port, uh, bacon and eggs. Uh, their uh, imperial st- uh, porter with uh, coffee. That's always a, a winner. I've had that one a bunch um, over the years. And luckily it comes in a, a cans and a six pack. So really, really good beer. Awesome. It's definitely, uh, we're getting into uh, winter warmer season up here for sure. Yeah, I definitely uh, have is, seen a lot more of that stuff around. And I, it uh, is very chilly. And <laughs> uh, yes, very, very much a need. It's chilly in the evenings here. It's been, and, and in the morning, I've been waking up to like 45 degrees. But then it, warms would, up to, uh, then it warms up to 70 and everything's okay. I'm thrilled when it's 45 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> All right. People in Syracuse are like, I don't even know what you guys are talking about. Yikes. <laughs> I don't want any of that. Um, all right, so uh, since we live in Bizarro World, um, Syracuse is not the ranked team in a Syracuse-Rutgers matchup. Um, Rutgers is like 21st, 22nd, depending on the poll. Um, they don't have um, Geo Baker, one of their best players, but um, they still have uh, several guys who can score. Uh, Ron Harper Jr., Jacob Young, uh, Montez Mathis, all averaging double digits. Harper leading the way with 21 points. He's also got 7.7 rebounds. Um this team's very good. They're one of the bigger teams in the country. They score a lot of their points inside, however. Um, Dan, any any additional thoughts on Rutgers, who uh, it does seem like they don't really shoot threes very much, which is a rarity at this point. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, we haven't played them since we left the Big East, and they left the Big East. Um, so it, it's it's interesting that like we don't really have a great sense for how uh, they plan to attack the zone. I know they have some bigger guards, which can have success, but um, if you're not a great three-point shooting team, like you really have to work the zone and teams that don't get to see it that often uh, tend to not do a great job of it. As we all know, um, some, some come out and look, look really good and are really well coached. And I think this is a good Rutgers team. Um, but I, I, I do wonder if they're going to be a little bit uh, blindsided by it um, because like the three point ball, is just not a huge part. I mean, they only have 12 makes on the year uh, from deep in, in three games. So it's, uh, it'll definitely be fascinating if they, if they try to, you know, go, inside out like maybe they'll find success maybe the three point is just like something they haven't had to rely on this year uh, in general but um yeah no i i think i always like the matchups where the other team just doesn't have a lot of experience uh in these games um and i think that'll be the case here so i'm i'm, I'm looking forward to it because it's nice to finally get like a a big opponent i know it's weird to say that about rutgers but like they're legit they would have made the tournament last year they're ranked in the top 25 and are very uh very much uh you know, deserve it. So um, definitely excited to get like our first big one underway here. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it, it, it's, it's fun to get like a, you know, a national game. It's on ESPN two. It's a late tip, nine 30. Um, it's part of the ACC big 10 challenge uh, Rutgers. And they might've done this on purpose, uh, scheduled Hofstra for the game before us. Hofstra play was playing mostly zone against them. So at least they got to kind of uh, test what they could do against it. Um, yeah. They, they didn't do super well against Hofstra, uh, but they didn't look, bad either i i think the big thing uh for them is really going to be um you know a whether you can stop us from shooting threes because realistically if we're able to hit at a reasonable clip um they're going to need to to try to keep up and they don't really have the uh you know the players to do that with i also think that 
Um, the key to the game for them though, is if they can get our bigs in foul trouble, then we're screwed. Um, you know, realistically an inside game is, is playing to their, their, their forte, um, and, and, and getting guys like, you know, Quincy Gary and, and Marek Dolajai, the, the keys to not making this a two man game with, uh, with just Gerard and, and Alan Griffin shooting from outside. Um, if they get in foul trouble, we're kind of screwed. Um, from, from, from that front. So for me, uh, I, I think it's going to be a real test uh, for, for, for if Marek and if, uh, if Q have really like kind of moved the needle a little bit towards being, you know, safer on the defensive end and, and, and not drawing uh, bad fouls. Obviously, you know, without Sadibe as well, we only have so many um, experienced bigs to toss in there. And, and it's not that I doubt the long-term viability of guys like Anselm um, or Jesse Edwards, or even Braswell, but you know they're obviously not providing the same sort of offensive firepower uh, that Garrier and uh, Dolajai have been able to to provide these first three games. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think Marek is just so important right now because we, you know, when we're not doing the three point barrage thing, we do run a lot of the offense through him. Although, granted, I think that was more in the Bryant game than anything else. I think we've kind of found some other stuff uh, in the last couple, um, but also because he's by far our most experienced zone defender on the inside. Um, he's, you know, despite his, his frame, he's still like pretty, uh, impressive at it. Um, but it's, it's hard to avoid towels if you're like, if you're the only guy in there and you're giving up uh, size. So that will be, that will be huge. Uh, hopefully we can get at least some decent minutes out of the, uh, the trio of young centers. Um, I think it's going to be important that they can provide something. I know Bayham is very reticent to use them unless he absolutely has to. Um, but without Brahma, like I, I kind of think you just at least like benefit from keeping Marek somewhat fresh and also just like if you're gonna give up fouls like i'd much rather anselm or jesse or john ball like take them and even if it's just like five minutes at a time so um i'll be interested to see how he uses them it was very interesting to see a couple of those guys playing in the first half last game even though it was a blowout um it does seem like uh our concerns after the bryant game like they haven't totally been alleviated we haven't played like a great team yet but um you know, Bam has been pretty uh, open with the bench the last couple of games. Uh, and it's not like we've had a ton of practice time in between. So, like, I do think the Bryant thing was, like, he knew the situation and he just, like, knew they had to win the game. Uh, it's seeming more and more like that. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, – it, and then offensively, I think my biggest concern on the perimeter is just, like, the size of their guards, uh, if they're going to be able to uh, contest, like, contest all of these three-point shots. But if we keep on getting shooting like we have from – uh, from Allen and and uh, if Gerard has another game like he did against Ryder and less like the first two and then like if Woody Newton can be a factor like he looked excellent in this last game so um, it's excited to continue to see those guys shine and then uh, I'm kind of like I almost wonder if Buddy being out these couple games where like the states are still pretty low um, ends up being a blessing to disguise because it really forces us to to put Tadari out there and I think he's just like a really really he's the most exciting young guard I think we've had in a long time. Yeah, I mean, potentially since Ennis. Um, Probably. I, 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 yeah, I, I think we've we've looked okay in the last like couple games without Buddy. I, I do think this is a good trial run, and and something I've touched on, and kind of some of my like things I've said around previews and all that in the lead up to these last few games. That just think that you know having having an offense that's not just two or three guys um, or bust. I think it's great, and and you're really seeing some some excellent results there, even without again like uh, who would be our like leading returning score. Um, I, I think if we can hit threes and, and, and my one potential positive is that uh, the last two games, um, 
you've seen teams hit, you know, over 35% uh, from outside against Rutgers. And I think that that's a potential good sign for us. Um, really, it's just, like I said, it's either going to be a, a foul driven game where we just get bludgeoned early, um, or it's going to be a game where we have to force Rutgers to play out of their element. And if they can, then we're, I think we end up falling by a close margin. If they can't, then maybe we were able to pull an upset. Um, but Dan, who do you see winning this game? And I guess, uh, how do you see it going down? Um, I like, I'm going to take us. I, I feel good about it. I felt good about these last two games. I think the offense is really finding something. Uh, I think there's good ball movement. I think we have just a real like wealth of options, which is just nice to have. Um, so I'm going to go to Syracuse. I do think it'll be close. I think records is a quality opponent. Um, I think we're lucky that there will not be fans in the rack. Um, although I'm a little disappointed because like first time we're playing in the rack in probably like 10 years and I can't go. It's not that far. Um, but yeah, I've actually never been to a game there, but, uh, I think that, that will kind of help, uh, help matters. I know it's a tough place to play, especially now that they're pretty good. Um, I'll do Syracuse, uh, I'll do Syracuse 81 to 76. All right. You, you will be the loyal idiot and I will be the disloyal idiot. Um, in, in this case, I, uh, I do think the foul trouble thing is going to be a, a factor and I don't necessarily know if we're going to hit at the same clip, um, from outside. I think a lot of that just relies on Gerard in particular. Um, but unfortunately, give me give me seventy five sixty eight. Rutgers gets the win. Unfortunately. All right. Well, hopefully you are wrong, John. I'm, I'm I'm very much hoping I'm wrong. I, I think if we win this one, who, who do we have this weekend? We have uh, BC. I think it's BC. It's, it's so weird to have like a handful of games at most, and then be right in the ACC play. Um, I know we have the Buffalo game after. Yeah, so we have B- BC on Saturday. I mean, if we win both of those, and I, you know. BC hasn't really uh, done anything that makes me think rank us, you cowards. Yeah, BC's one and three. They beat URI, and URI's not bad. Um, but uh, you know, twenty point loss to Florida last out. I think we'll be ranked probably if we if we start out five and zero here. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's which pretty fair shouldn't feel so exciting. <laughs> I know, believe me. Uh, no, but uh, I mean, if everyone recalls, like some of the. Uh, some of the peak Schaefer and early Dino years where, where I would just pick against Syracuse every week. And then it became a thing where I would, every game I picked against Syracuse, we won. Um, so I'm hoping that, that I'm pulling that off here. I, I, I support it. We all know, like I, I'm like not a, a stupid, like weird. Uh, I'm not super uh, uh, superstitious in general, but I will play up superstitions like uh, my, uh, you know, wearing the same home field shirt. Uh, that is Toad Noonstan. Um, <laughs> every game so i, I guess uh, i can't i can't do that and then uh say that you're picking against us on the podcast uh doesn't have some kind of karmic effect as always we're among friends uh, <laughs> dan anything else before we head out today no just uh hope everyone's staying safe as always um hope everyone is uh you know getting getting through uh what could be a pretty tough month but you know we all know the deal at this point so just stay safe stay home watch basketball um yeah excited to you know i'm actually excited about this basketball season i'm hoping that it doesn't totally fall apart here because i've enjoyed watching this team the last couple of games same here nba is also back in a couple of weeks somehow. which is which is insane <laughs> it's just super super wild uh yeah and then i, find, uh, I, I, get, I get to watch my team for the first time since march <laughs> that that's actually pretty funny <laughs> which like, is like completely rest- stupid i'm also gonna stop watching my team by the end of the year so <laughs> you're gonna have one good week of Dick's basketball just to... no not even we start four of our first five are against like the top of the eastern conference 
Oh God. We faced the um, Bucks, the we faced the Bucks, Sixers, Pacers, and Raptors in four of our first five. That's that's mean. <laughs> they're, they're, that's... they're just they're just they're just getting it over with early. Like Knicks fans, we're not giving you any hope this time. Just f off. They're just they're just treating treating the Knicks like a like really firm band aid. And then the other games against the Pistons, I think, which the Pistons are significantly better. The Pistons are just like a better version of the Knicks. Like their yeah. their roster makes no sense, but they have All like more talented players. Yeah, they just they were a more talented version of the Knicks. It's great. Shout out to Troy Reaver for building that roster. <laughs> just trolling the Knicks as a as an fu to them for not hiring him. Um, uh, in any case, uh, Dan, thanks as always. Do appreciate it. Yes. Uh, looking forward to tomorrow night or tonight when you listen to this game. So we'll be on uh, Twitter. So if uh, one of us, you know, did, you did to yell at whoever was wrong here. Yeah, that's fine. And really, if if, if Dan was wrong, um, I don't think you're going to be all that mad. Um, just more because you're not going to get mad at someone for picking Syracuse. Yeah, right. So basically, you can't get mad at me. So, so as always, you'll just be yelling at me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter. Cool. Um, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Trade Noon's Absolute Podcast. You rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Megaphone, uh, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, um, Overcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, and go orange. Go orange.